Okay, uh, welcome to the next episode of the Growth Track podcast. Really excited today because we have Bex Dillon with us. Bex is uh, married to Miles and has uh, three children, passion, brave and freedom. Um, but you, you, you yourself and your dad and your husband, uh, you, you actually run a, a podcast. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, so I started it um, just after my third son was born, so it helps me remember the time. So it's been about nine months ago. And he, we like to give our children loads of names, but one of his middle names is Equality. And so kept thinking about this equality and it kind of caused there to be more conversations about equality. So I thought, and um, in some of those places, I felt like it was thought that the faith groups and particularly Christians don't really fit in those conversations like the Mm. people who really care about equality the people who are really doing things for equality think that the church and faith groups are the ones who are most stopping equality so and but I felt like I looked at Jesus and how he lived his life and he was the person who most cared for the kind of the people who were on the edges who felt excluded Mm. and felt um who experienced the most inequality Mm. so if that's how Jesus lived his life and he cared most about these people how then am yeah. I, as a Christian, how are we as church and as a community caring for those people and caring about those issues? If that's how Jesus was, surely the church should look like this is the place that cares most about the people who are experiencing inequality and who are doing the most to bring equality in their communities and in their countries. So that kind of began. I thought, okay, yeah. let's just start having conversations about this and see what people think if people think that faith and equality can go together. What are the obstacles and what are the areas where, yeah. as Christians, we really need to do something about these mm. things? So that's kind of. And that's led to sort of starting this podcast with your dad, yeah. interviewing yeah. all different people, and yeah. sort of it's called conversations on faith and equality. And yeah, and what's it been exactly. like so far? Yeah, it's re- it's been really interesting actually. So I started thinking, okay, I'll just do like an introduction one, and then I'll see if I can persuade my dad and to do one. And then he sort of has got more and more into it. And then we both, I think we both actually, when I said to him, this is what I'm thinking of doing, and I think I would love you to be involved, he was like, this is what God's really speaking to me about, and that's been something he's been talking about a lot. So it felt like we both separately have kind of had this passion and feel like God is Mm. saying, let's do something about equality in our, kind of in the church and what's around us. So, and then we've met all these people, and it's been really interesting. And actually, I've learned so much. I think I didn't realize some things of inequality in that is really close to home I've seen Mm. it in India I've seen it kind of in countries where there's much kind of more extreme poverty and I've seen things where you know women have been trafficked yeah where there's human trafficking which feels like quite extreme inequality and they're sold into sex slavery or other forms of slavery that's sort of extreme inequality but Mm. I thought in the UK kind of there is you know trafficking does happen in the UK but generally it's it's a smaller percentage mm. and it's sort of hidden and you don't see it in your everyday life. But actually, the more that I've had conversations with people, I've realized there's a lot of stuff in the UK that we can do things about. Yeah. Uh, what I love about what you're saying is sort of um, actually recognizing something in the church or in society in the mm. church and actually maybe even closer to home, this area of equality actually just isn't what we feel it should be. Yeah. And actually recognizing, oh, something... Um, something needs to shift here. Maybe we need to have some conversations around yeah. this area. 
and um, and so this, this yeah this is lovely to to talk about this and uh, tell us a bit about yourself and m maybe what you studied your journey places you've lived and how you've come to be in Brighton because I think imagine your narrative is all sort of led to sort of what you're doing now tell yeah. us a bit about yourself so um, I don't really know where to start I guess um, I when I left school I didn't follow kind of the normal track of I had a place at university, but decided not to take it. Moved to Italy, moved to Milan, and studied fashion and lived there for a while. I wanted to learn another language, live in another country. But I didn't at that stage. I was only 19. I didn't want to go too far <laughs> and too tricky a language. I thought stay with one that's yeah. got a similar sort of alphabet. So I went to there, studied there, and then worked there. And then um, have worked for came back to England, worked for Tier Fund, which is like international development yeah. stuff, doing things in Africa. And then I decided I wanted to actually experience, I kind of always had this thing of something to do with sort of poverty and injustice mm. and inequality and wanting to do something about it. So then I decided I wanted to like really experience yeah. it and do something about it where I'm not at a distance from it. I'm not from a desk in an office. Yeah. I'm like really understanding it. So then I moved to Delhi and lived in a home for girls who had been trafficked. And this was kind of a bit after their journey they'd been rescued and initially you have to go into sort of government home and this was sort of maybe like a year or so mm. afterwards but still they were sort of 18, 19, 20 they would have been rescued when they were 15, 16 um, from, from brothels in India so I lived in this home with them we were three bedroom house with 12 girls it was wow. full on <laughs> oh my goodness often water shortages and often electricity shortages wow. so that was um yeah, an amazing and very challenging experience. But I learned a lot from that. And then while I was there, met lawyers who had been involved in rescuing these girls mm. and prosecuting their traffickers and their brothel owners. And so I was like, this is what I want to do. Wow. So then I came back to the UK. I studied law. And um, while I was doing that, I kind of would go back to India in my summers. And I did an internship with an organization that had been part of mm. rescuing the girls from the home that I'd lived in. And they talked about some of these people. They talked about someone called Lazarus, and they talked about someone called Ashley. And then I, I found that this organization where Ashley and Lazarus worked for, so I did an internship with them. Oh, wow. And then um, got to know uh, Ashley was the CEO, and so I kind of was always like, what should I do, what should I do? And he was like, qualify, and when you qualify, then you can come work for us. So I qualified, and as soon as I qualified, he offered me a job, and then we moved to Bangalore and worked in India for him for yeah. two years, and then got pregnant and sort of, had a bit of a change, came mm -hmm. back to England and um, then felt like actually we wanted to be in Brighton. So then been in Brighton and had three children. This area of um, equality and areas where there's injustice, it sounds like it's something that you've almost had like a, a passion for, something yeah. burning. Would, would that be true? Has, has that been even from a young age or has that grown as you've, as you've gotten older? Um, I think, yeah, from, from a really young age, yeah. actually. Me and my brother Johnny went to Hong Kong and China when I was about 14. And I saw, we, we spent a day where we crossed over the border from Hong Kong into China. And we went and spent, kind of just hanging out with these two women who were helping with these four boys who were probably a similar age to what I was then, 14. But they're obviously a bit smaller because of kind of malnutrition and things. And we just walked around with them and they had one pair of flip-flops between the four of them that they shared and then they mm. took us back to their home and it was like a tin hut that was sort of, you know, the size of this sofa, or the size mm. of me and most people's, there, there was hardly any space. They kind of managed to have bunks, but most mm. of them sleeping on the floor and they had grandparents, parents, children, all in that room. 
and they were so kind they really wanted to make something for us and make drinks so they made like hot water with sugar because that was I don't think they had any tea or coffee so all they could do is put the hot water <laughs> and the sugar there's no you know it's just yeah. water and sugar was all they had um, I was actually a little bit scared I was going to get sick <laughs> people were told don't drink water in those yeah, kind yeah. of environments you don't want to be rude um, and then it's just like a gutter outside and they're just it's just shack after shack mm. and it's like eight people lived in this tiny place mm. and these four teenage boys share one pair of shoes and I think seeing that and spending time with people where that's their life mm. I was like can't believe this is the world and I thought I'd kind of come to Hong Kong wanting to like ideally get a suntan and buy lots of like cheap clothes that were like designer cut-offs yeah. you know? <laughs> I suddenly thought that's probably not a great yeah. like, thing to aspire to in life yeah. maybe there are more things to care about yeah. so I think that seeing that then sort of changed yeah a lot of things I thought I want my life to have an impact on this area and there shouldn't mm. be such huge inequality in the world and how can I do something about that yeah that's lovely and do you how do you find it when you think of these things on like a global scale mm. where there are things that are i mean we're, we're speaking here in lovely brighton you know in a lovely city in yeah. a lovely country where yes we do have challenges but sometimes in comparison to things that are going on in other parts of the world it they're, they're it's almost hard to comprehend mm. How have you managed to, when you've seen things that have maybe really shocked you mm. and you've got a real passion for maybe something in Delhi that you mentioned before or something you've witnessed in Hong Kong, to, to keep that, um, that sort of perspective and drive for equality and mm. justice, um, even to things that are maybe much closer to home? Because there are inequalities yeah. and injustices in, in Brighton. And you, and you mentioned before, but sometimes they're slightly not as obvious or slightly hidden. Yeah, yeah I think... Um, I think that's what I thought before doing the podcast. Like I really want to talk about global things as well mm. because obviously there's things, you know, we hear like gender pay gap, mm. you know, there's thing, or there's like kind of rise in racism after yeah. like Brexit vote. And so that, you know, there's all that sort of stuff happening that we're sort of aware of. But I realised in talking to people, um, I understood it much more to talking to people who were not like me. Mm. So even one of the people that interviewed, she was a really senior doctor. She, she she's a gynecologist, obstetrician, and um, consultant. And so she's, you know, she's really senior in her yeah. role. But she said that, you know, they all would wear scrubs, same color, whether you're like cleaning the hospital or you're a nurse huh. or you're a consultant. And she said people would look at her, and she, she's a black woman, and they would say, can you go and clean that bed over there? And she's the she's actually the one to do the surgery, wow. but they would see the color of her skin, and something in them, some kind of unconscious bias, would make yeah. them think, "Oh, well, you must be the sort of lowest." And I think talking to someone, like thinking, "You're in Chelsea, you know, the, of yeah. all areas, yeah. you know, and you're top of your career." But that's her experience. I think sometimes just talking to people and realizing, actually, I've had privilege in being white that I haven't understood or experienced that places that I've been to, you know when I started going out with Miles suddenly I started getting followed in sh in like nicer shops which mm. I hadn't been followed in before by the security guard and Miles would be like look they're following us I was like what are you talking about why I've never been followed why yeah. would someone follow me I don't really think I look very suspicious <laughs> but then I looked at him and I was like oh you know that's that what was would happen yeah. to him and it, part is understanding someone else's experience because mm. actually there is a lot of racism and sexism yeah. that is is there, but 
in order to really know it and understand it, we have to hear someone else's story. Yeah. So part I feel like is a challenge is to think, who do I spend time with so that I can hear their story and understand their experience, understand what it's like for them when they go to an interview? Are they worried that someone's going to judge them on the color of their skin, Mm. on their name? Sometimes some people say that just their name doesn't enable them to get through that first bit of an interview. So it's, but when you have a relationship with someone and talk to someone and hear their experience, then it opens your eyes to their experience. And then you think, well, I now think if I was in the hospital, how would I, if I worked in hospital, how would I treat people mm. or whatever work environment yeah. I'm in? Do I look at someone and think, oh, well, you look like you, <laughs> the yeah. security person, and you look like the, you're the CEO, yeah. where actually that's, that's something that's not quite right, but we have to try and recognize it in ourselves to understand, am I treating people differently? Yeah. If, you know, there's that verse, like, don't give the seats in the best seats to the people that yeah. come in. You should, get to who are kind of the best dressed. You know, yeah, you know, yeah, 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 I'm yeah, not yeah. saying, right. No, no, I didn't. Yeah, so I was agreeing. <laughs> and that, I do think that's a challenge. It's like often, oh, they're, um, they're really interesting. They're cool. They're, mm. Um, successful I'll go and talk to them you know is that what I do Mm. at the school gate do I think oh that mum looks cool I go and talk to her or do I think you know it's it's in our like small interactions you know who comes to church on a Sunday in the playgroup upstairs am I just trying to talk to the people who look cool and fun to hang out with or am I looking at the people who I wouldn't necessarily feel like there's a natural connection with but often those relationships where they are really different yeah you learn so much more and actually they can enrich your life much more yeah. than the people who are really similar to yeah. you and i i just love what you're saying there opening up a dialogue with with people who we might not otherwise be connecting with mm. and um i mean i think that's a, a really practical step you know for myself or for those who are listening just yeah. just to actually even or maybe even right now as, as you're listening to sort of just consider or oh, who are the the people in maybe mm. like my inner circle or the people i naturally go to at a party or a, a mum's group or a sunday service or whatever it might yeah. be and and to ask you know um are they just like me you mm. know or, or or am i actually connecting with people who are slightly different to me mm. and um i mean jesus is the perfect example for this yeah. I mean, Jesus connected with those who were on the fringes. I mean, those who were like beyond the fringes of like the the poorest and the weakest and the most vulnerable. And I always love the story um, of the woman with the issue of blood who sort of pushes her way through the crowd and crawls and just Mm. touches the hem of... And his first word to her is is daughter. It's like, you're mine. And as Christians, um, we're, we're... we're children of God, and that mm. that is our identity. Yeah. And uh, for those, I'm sure many of you heard, we had a um, Jessica Yellowo who spoke yeah. a couple of weeks ago, and it was like your identity is found in the in the love of God. Mm. Everything else is through that. We yeah. we are um, we are God's children. And how is your relationship with Jesus, your faith in Jesus? Um, is that what fuels this? Do you continue to look to Him? How does that help you in your sort of drive for equality and justice? Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, I think that's um, well, He's like the ultimate role model, isn't He? Mm. Like you said in those stories, are the people that He spent time with, and not only is it the people He spent time with, but the way He does it, mm. the way He um, empowers them. It's mm. not like He's taking pity on them. Like, okay, this is 
I'm going to spend Monday to Friday, you know, with my friends having a really nice time. And then on Saturday, I'm going to go and, mm. you know, do something good for someone and then go. It's like he goes to their house. He's, he lets them wash his feet. He says, you do this. You yeah. get up. Like, it's always him empowering <laughs> yeah. them and saying, you know, he, he actually, in some ways, doesn't believe in equality because he puts himself lower than everyone. Like, <laughs> that's his, he's, he's never trying to raise himself up. He's yeah. always raising everyone else yeah. up. And that's sort of the drive thing. Okay, that's what he's like. I want to be more like him. I want to look like him and in how I treat people. So that's definitely the drive. But also the the like beauty of his world, of what Mm. what God has created is this like really diverse world. And actually the more that you see that, the more Mm. you appreciate how much he's made because we're all made in his image. So he didn't make everyone just like one type of person he made them so different and actually the more I see that the more I appreciate the kind of beauty of different people and the world around us and understand more that the Holy Spirit can work in all different situations Mm. and the more that you see that the more amazing that is I I don't know if it's a good thing well it's definitely not a good thing but I I probably look back and, and think about myself and I I might have often said, oh, you know, there's some people who are called into this area, and mm. there's other, and and maybe that's not me. You know, there's certain people who are to sort of to operate in the areas of you know equality and, but it, I, I mean, I've definitely realised. Um, I think God showed me um, that this is this is a calling on on all Christians. This is not an area for for those who are just passionate about it mm. for for Ubex or or for somebody who's um, wants to. This is this is something that is. Um, central to the christian faith mm. this is this is what it is to, to be a christian to follow jesus and to love as jesus did yeah. and this is really really helpful bex honestly thank you so much to finish up yeah what are some other tips you can give us because all of us doing the growth track we're desperate to grow in our relationship mm. with jesus and i love what you're saying the more we i, I think the closer we grow and our and closer we get to jesus the more we begin to see things through his mm. eyes and i love what you're saying it's all of a sudden we see things slightly differently mm. and we see the beauty of the world and what other tips could you give us um in this area i think part is like there probably are people around us all who are really different to us and who might be slightly on that on the edge mm. you know they they might live in your road they might be at work with you they might be in the groups you go to they might even just be at church and they've come and there are some people who manage to sort of not connect in or make friends with people you know, someone said to us the other day, they, they're just not cool. And so they feel like because they're not cool, they just <laughs> never feel like people are interested in them. So sometimes it's even that. It's not about race or gender. It's about them not feeling like they dress in the way that everyone else dresses or that makes them seem cool. So it's being able to connect with different people and looking. I sometimes look at the people. Who have I spent time with this week? Are they, have they all been like you know, nice mums who've got children the same age, who've got similar lifestyles as me, who live in similar sort of houses and have similar kind of income and are all white. And is that who I've spent my week with? And if that's who I spent my week with, I think, okay, I need to do something different. I need to reach out to some other people around me and try and spend time with them. Whether it's like just who I talk to in in my everyday points of connection that I have for school Mm. gate or whatever it is in people's world. But I think the other thing I'm really thinking about is you know, part was Archie talking about, you know, after Brexit and how yeah. how do we bring, like, reconciliation yeah. 
and and that's part of through connecting with people that are different to us that is part of yeah it does also bring reconciliation yeah. and I was listening to the, the radio some the person who was kicked out of her book club because she voted Brexit she was to leave and they, all the rest were Remainers and I thought it's so easy to feel like your view is the right view yeah. and everyone else's is not right but how do you have friends who you have really different views of but you can still like love them and be yeah. friends with them and so that's the sort of thing I was thinking okay who are other people that I've got really different views of, but how can I yeah. actually reach out to them and connect with them yeah. rather than be like, oh, I can't believe they think that. I can't believe <laughs> they would vote for that. Because it's really yeah, yeah, in Brighton, yeah. I feel like yeah. if, if someone's a conservative or someone's a liberal, oh, that is actually like a really bad thing yeah, goodness. To, yeah, yeah. to do, to yeah. be. But that's actually, as Christians, do we really feel like yeah. that? Like they're lower than us, they're more stupid than us, or whatever it yeah. is for justifying Yeah those views we, sh- we shouldn't actually be like that we should be the ones who are saying that's you know we love you whatever you voted whatever you feel we love you and we want to be in relationship with you and connect with you so that I think is would actually really change if, if we're not joining the like oh I couldn't be yeah. friends with you I couldn't I can't believe you did that and judging people for that but really having people around us that are different to us who we can know and love for their differences mm. I've, I've found with some of my friends, when I've brought them to church, some of my non-Christian friends of my life, is, um, is the idea of church, uh, which I would love them to think it's this loving, beautiful place where they'd be included. Unfortunately, it's been the complete opposite. Oh, no, I don't want to go there, maybe because of an experience or mm. this certain narrative yeah, yeah, of what yeah. church is or what they've read or seen that church is a it's a place with it's full of really judgy people, people who are um, looking for ways to exclude other people, and mm. and and we know um, that's not the case. We know yeah. um, we we do recognise this is an area we need to be better yeah. in. I think that it's really important for us to acknowledge actually this is um, an area we would like to no we wouldn't like to be, this is an area we will be better at. What would you love to see the church looking like in a hundred years? No, not even a hundred years. Two years time, Bex. I think the opposite of what you're saying and I, uh, of where people feel like this is the place where they feel most safe and loved mm. and able to come to mm. whatever's going on in their life, whatever, wherever they come from, whatever their background is, whatever their day has been mm. that day. And I think that's what I'd want to see. And part of that, I think, really, you've, you see that by the people, the person who's your connection mm. point, like if you meet people who you feel really loved by and included by and accepted by, then you already have that, hopefully, when you come to church because that's your... For some yeah. people, that might be their only connection with church. Now, a lot of people have mm. zero interaction with it. So if the one person they know is you and you're yeah. the person who has loved them, who's accepted them, who's made mm. them feel... If, if your only connection is yeah. with, with this one person... Yes. like So for everyone who's who's doing this, you have the ability to change someone's view on the church and on faith because if their relationship with you is they think this person has like only like loved them, been Mm. there for me and listened to me and not judged me but accepted me and then that will be their view of church really and then hopefully as a body of Christ we become more diverse so that people see themselves when they come to church they think I'm not the only person with disability in the church. I'm not the only person who's not white. I'm not the only person who's 
you know, whatever it, it, it is. I'm not the only person who's not from the same class or yeah. the same group or dresses that way. It hopefully becomes a place that includes everyone. Yeah. Well, this is an area I want to. I know many people listen to these podcasts and as a church, this is an area we want to grow in. Mm. And, and thank you for helping us. And I know um, I also just want to recognize that um, we don't want this to be like, this is the one conversation we have on this. And then it's like, oh, yeah, so we've, we've had that conversation tick. This is yeah. this is an area we really want to push into and, you know, in the growth trap, but also in areas of the church. And so please... Um, Please don't put a full stop at the end of this conversation. Bex, thank you so much. Could you pray for us just to finish yeah, sure. and, um, and then we'll be done. Father, thank you for everyone who is doing this course and on this track and has a desire to know you more and grow in who they are in you. And I pray that as they listen to this, you will speak to them, that maybe you'll even highlight someone to them that they've mm. seen or they see regularly who actually maybe is someone they could connect with, who might feel a bit on the edge of something, whether it's church or work or friendship, who just feels a bit on the edge for some reason, and that through um, just loving them and connecting with them, it could actually help them to feel like they're not um, less equal or less included. Mm. So I pray that you would give people the ability to see how, how you see people, and that through that we would become more the body of Christ as you imagined it as you made it as we are meant to be amen amen thank you so much Bex <laughs> bye <laughs>